Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was number nine. Don't be putting me down at number 11. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice. The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be. I'm not really a fun kind of guy. doesn't really like people. Come on, then. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic teenagers who interview some of the biggest names within the world of sport. From world champions, World Cup winners, international athletes, Ryder Cup golfers, Ashes heroes and many other sportsmen and women, we delve deep into their sporting career, the highs and the lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. But that's enough for me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, Tom and Avtar, who host the podcast, and I'll let them introduce today's guest. See you later. Hello, and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. I am your host for today, and my name is Tom. Me and Avtar are students at Tenorwood School, and our school is for children and young adults with autism. We set up this podcast to promote the amazing things autistic children can do and interview some of the best sportsmen and women from around the world. Join us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a cricketing legend. He is one of Australia's greatest ever players and captains. Welcome to the podcast, Steve Waugh. Thanks, thank you very much. Good to be here with you guys. We always like to start our podcast with some quick fire questions. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. Favorite holiday destination? Um well, I like, uh, let me think, uh, in the West Indies, so something like Barbados. I play a lot of cricket there. The beautiful beaches and nice and relaxing. So I think the Caribbean's nice. I love London as well. Uh, and, of course, where I live in Sydney. Uh, what is your favourite food? Um, I like seafood because in Australia we've got uh, lots of different types of seafood, so that would be my favourite. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? <laughs> Well, that's a good question. Um, probably Russell Crowe, the actor. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Um, 
I think I would try a position with anyone who who had won a gold medal because to stand on the top of that dais with your country's national anthem playing, I think that would be the highlight of anyone's life. So anyone who won a gold medal at the recent uh, Tokyo Olympics. When you were a child, who were your sporting heroes and did you always want to play cricket? Yeah, I had a lot of sporting heroes. I like tennis. So uh, in my era, it was Bjorn Borg, was a fantastic tennis player. Um, Pele was an amazing soccer player. And from cricket, it was someone like Viv Richards. So I had lots of heroes in different sports. You had a brother who has played cricket. Why you complete with each growing up? Yeah, I have um, a twin brother, Mark, who also played cricket for Australia. So Yes, we were pretty competitive. We um, were in the same teams for all the sports we played, like soccer and tennis and cricket. And we used to do pretty well in all those sports. Plus, we were in the same classes at school. So we were always compared to each other, which um, sometimes made it difficult. But the good thing about that was that people noticed us and they always um, said, oh, they're they're the war twins. They're, They're pretty good players. So it helped sometimes getting picked in different teams. So you've, you've come from a very competitive family, Steve, obviously you and your brothers. And you also have a son, Austin, who's a very good cricketer. How's he, how's he getting on with his, with his cricket? Uh, yeah, he, he, was, um, he played recently or a couple of years ago in the Australian under-19s. Um, he's a very, very talented sports person. Um, he's not playing cricket at the moment. He um, does a lot of fishing and he plays golf. Um, so he's trying different things. And I've got two girls as well who... They're not really into sports. They're more into sort of um, creative pursuits. So, yeah, we've got three children, all do things differently. You made your professional debut for New South Wales. What are your memories of that? Well, I was about your age, so it was a long time ago. Um, I was 19 years of age. I don't know how old you guys are, but probably similar to that. And that was, um, you know, a long time ago. But I was nervous, but it was a great honour to play for New South Wales. And... It was the first time I was sort of, um, uh, I guess, a professional sports person. So, um, you know, it, it meant that I had to take it seriously and I wanted to try and play for Australia. So playing for New South Wales was was the first step along the way. You came to England at the start of your career and played for Egerton in the Lan- Lancashire League from mm. and then Essex. What are your memories of your time in England? You guys have done your research. It's very good. That was <laughs> something I'd almost forgotten about. Yeah, I played league cricket for a team called Edgerton, you're right, in the Bolton League. And um, I was there with my twin brother and we um, were looked after by uh, a couple called Peter and Iris Greenough who looked after us. So we flew all the way from Australia. My first long plane trip, it took about 30 hours to get to England. When I got to England, uh, we met these people, went to their place. Um, back in those days, I think I slept for about two days when we got there to get over jet lag. Then I played league cricket and then I went down and uh, got a scholarship and played for Essex Second Eleven. Um, so that was a, a great experience. First time living away from home from Australia, um, being a professional cricketer. So there was a bit more pressure, but I love the experience of living away from home, meeting new people and, and playing in a different country. How did you find that, Steve? Obviously, you were quite young and literally the other side of the world. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I was, I was, home, I was homesick, but, um, but I also enjoyed the experience because it, um, there was pressure on me to do well. I was like um, the overseas professional playing league cricket up north, um, so people expected you to do well, so I enjoyed that pressure. Um, 
but as I say, it was the first time living away from home, so it was a huge learning experience. Um, you know, it, um, away from the safety of the parents doing everything for you, all of a sudden you're responsible for what you're doing. You know, you've got to, you know, wash your clothes and clean your clothes and do the ironing and do your shopping and all sorts of things I hadn't done before. So it was a really good learning experience. I, I loved being in England. Um, you know, the English people love their sport, particularly cricket, and uh, you know, I enjoy every moment. What was it like making your Australian debut? debut? Um, same again, I was pretty nervous because I was only young. I was only 20 years of age when I played for Australia. And we were playing against India in a, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in front of a big crowd. And um, there's a lot of expectation when you play for your country to do well. Um, back in those days, we weren't winning so much. So it was a tough first couple of years. We didn't win much. I didn't score too many centuries or I didn't score a century for a couple of years. Um, they were difficult times, but at the same time, it was a huge honour to represent your country and be, and be picked for Australia and to put on the baggy green cap where you know, we got a, such a, a huge tradition that um, you know, it means a lot to the people of Australia and they want you to do well. So, um, yeah, it took me a while to, to be comfortable playing for Australia and to do well. So it was, um, it was a, initially a first, you know, a couple of tough years to start with. You helped Australia to win their first World Cup in 1987. How good was it to win the World Cup? Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, and we were sort of um, one of the teams that most people thought we weren't going to do well. Um, we hadn't been very successful and then we went to India and we ended up playing um, your country, England, in the final. And that was in front of 100,000 people at Eden Gardens. And we won by seven runs in a really close game. And... Um, Unfortunately for Mike Gatting, it's remember for him playing a reverse sweep where players didn't play much in those days and he got caught and he got, I guess, blamed for England's loss. But it was um, a great six weeks for us. It turned our cricket around and then we became one of the best teams in the world. So for all of us, it was a huge turning point in our careers. You travelled to England to play in the 1989 Ashes series. Would you say this is when you made your breakthrough for Australia? Yes, it was because um, I'd been playing for Australia for a couple of years up until then and I hadn't scored a test century, which is really important. And it was almost like um, it was time I had to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be picked for Australia. So I scored my first 100 at, um, up at Headingley in Leeds in the first test match. And when I, winning that series, I scored another century at the home of Cricket Lords. And for me... Um, it was a tour where I sort of made a name for myself and became established in the Australian cricket side. And it's a tour I look back on. It was one of my favourite tours. We got on very well as a group of team, players and Alan Border, our captain, was you know really keen for us to be successful because we hadn't had many wins before that. Um, so it was a big, big moment in all of our careers, um, that England tour. And it's still one of my favourite tours I've ever been on. What was... It's like playing for Australian with your brother. Yeah, I look back now, it was pretty special at the time. Um, we were both just concerned about playing for Australia because there's a lot of pressure anyway without thinking too much about it. And, um, yeah, I didn't uh, – we'd always played in the same team, so it was almost like normal for us to be in the same team, even though it was Australia. So other people thought it was this special magic thing for us. It was was pretty normal to play with each other, so we didn't think too much about it. You became one-day captain in 1997. What was it like to become captain? 
Yeah, well, that's a lot different when you become captain of a team. You've got responsibility. It's a bit like you guys today, you know, asking questions and doing interviews. Um, there's a lot of pressure and um, you got to do your homework and and uh, and be ready for it and you got to want that job. So I was keen to captain Australia. I, um, I thought it was a huge honour. I had a really good team underneath me and um, I expected us to do well. But, you know, it's... Um, it's something really special to to walk out first person on the field and knowing you're in charge of the team, but also the whole country supporting you. So um, it's really a really exciting time when you first lead your country out uh, onto the field. So Steve, you became one day captain and then and then test captain. Did you feel different pressures in a different different form of the game? Um, yeah, they, they are different um, types of the game, I guess. One day obviously is over a lot quicker, and you've got to be um, it's pretty intense, and you've got to make a a quick decision on every ball. Test match cricket, you tend to take your time a bit more and the game evolves and you, you set things up and you've got to, it's a bit, probably a little bit more relaxing, although it does go for five days. So um, if things aren't going well, it can give you a bit of a headache at times. But um, I, I enjoyed the test match captaincy because it's more strategic and you've got to think long-term and you've got to prepare for what might be coming in front of you. Um, the conditions change over five days of a test match, so you've got to adjust your tactics. Um, but uh, your one-day cricket is also exciting because it's um, you get a result very quickly. So um, you know, there's a lot riding on you making the decision every ball. So you got to really concentrate. Um, so they're both different forms of the game, um, equally challenging. But I think if everyone had an option, they'd say they'd love to be um, captain of their country in a Test match. The Henshaws Insurance Group is one of the top 100 independent insurance brokers in the country and is here to bring you peace in mind. We've been in business for over 50 years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance and we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. You won the World Cup for a second time in 1999. I want to ask you about two moments from that World Cup. Gibbs dropping you on the way to scoring a 100 and the semi-final against South Africa. Can you tell us about those moments, please? <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah. the Herschel-Gibbs catch was, was a crucial moment in the match and um, I think we needed 270 runs to win to make it to the semi-final and I came in at three for 49, I think, and we were going okay and the match was sort of in the balance and... I hit a ball towards mid-wicket where Herschel Gibbs was fielding. He was a brilliant fieldsman. And um, he caught it, but then he tried to celebrate too quickly and dropped the ball. So that was one of those moments where he got a bit excited in the heat of the moment and dropped the catch, and we went on to win the match. So it's something that, that turned the game around. It was um, a crucial moment and one that I think he probably regrets. And it was lucky for me that he celebrated too early and, and dropped the catch. Um, and then we got to the semi-final and played that amazing game where we actually ended up in a tie with South Africa that we got through to the, the World Cup final on, on a countback. So, again, things went our way. Um, it was one of the great games of one-day cricket and a lot of people remember that as you know, probably the greatest one-day game ever played. So, there were two amazing games within the space of four days um, against two very competitive sides who played a similar style of cricket but um, we just had that little bit, of, little bit of luck that we needed to make it through the World Cup final. As test captain, your team set a world record of 16 test victories in a row. That is an amazing achievement. 
Yeah, it was, um, and something very hard when we look back at the time. We didn't really um, think about how many test victories we had won in a row, but we always tried to play our, our best game the next game, and uh, we saw no reason why we couldn't win every test match we played. That was a, that was in our the way we were thinking that anything was possible. And um, when we started playing well, we had a talented side, and we just kept you know, winning game after game, and. Um, all of a sudden, we got the 16 test matches in a row and uh, we were close to winning our 17th test match, but we lost that one in India. So I guess all things have to come to an end eventually. But, yeah, looking back, 16 test matches um, is a long time to remain unbeaten in test cricket. So really proud of what the team achieved back then. You lost the one-day captaincy to Rick Ponting in 2002. How did you feel about that decision? Um I was always um, happy that if someone was um, better to take the job or the, or the team needed a change. Uh, it was a little caught me a little bit by surprise because I'd always talked to the selectors and we had constant feedback and um, and they kept telling me that I was the man for the job. So when they changed all of a sudden, I was a bit shocked and surprised. Um, but at the same time, no one has a right to um, a position in the team. It's always up to the selectors. So I moved on pretty quickly from that and, they ended up winning the next World Cup, so maybe it was the right decision. But at the time, I was um, I was disappointed with the way it was done. But um, having said that, it's professional sport and you've just got to stand by the decisions that are made by the selectors. Oh, you retire in 2004. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was the right time to finish playing? It's hard to know when to retire because you always sort of want to play a bit more. But I've been playing my country for 20 years which was a long time and uh, we'd won most things and I had a really successful career I had a young family starting um, so I think it was the right time it's you're never 100% sure and um, but mainly for me I probably didn't want to do the training anymore I didn't want to be traveling all the time so I think it was the right time but it's it's always hard to know when to stop. So Steve do you ever play cricket now or just club cricket? On the weekend? Um, yeah, I actually played recently in India because I've just finished a, a photographic book, uh, which I did in India 18 months ago. And I um, took 20,000 photos of all different people playing cricket all around India. And we took photos of the, in the beach, on the beaches and the, and the mountains, um, in the parks. Um, and a lot of those times when I was taking photos, uh, the kids wanted to play a game of cricket. So I had four or five games of cricket. In fact, I played a game of cricket with... Um, the monks in front of the Himalayan mountains, which was pretty special. So, yeah, I, I played um, pretty recently and uh, I live here in Australia on the beach and sometimes we get out on the sand and play beach cricket in Australia. What are your best and worst memories of playing in the Ashes? <laughs> um, well, I don't think it's to me worst memories because I love playing against England. It was always good fun and we did pretty well. Um, I suppose... Um, in the Ashes, maybe getting a first ball duck at Lords, that was probably a low moment because you always want to do well. Um, but then again, a highlight was scoring 150 Lords. You know, it's a pretty special place to play cricket. So, you know, I played in, in nine Ashes series, and um, I was lucky enough to be um, on the winning side eight times out of nine. So, you know, I had a good record in Ashes cricket. I love playing cricket in England. I really enjoyed the crowds over there, the grounds, the atmosphere. The traditions and the history. So being in England was, you know, my probably my favourite place to play cricket. So Steve, you've played cricket all around the world. Um, 
is it different in each country? People say, oh, the, the ball's different, the track's different, the pitch is different. Do you have to find um, that's when you have to change? Yeah, it, it's probably not so much now because um, the guys are so well travelled and um, they know each other so well and there's not too many secrets. But when I played, you know, you travel to different countries like India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka and the pitches were totally different. Um, you know, the, I guess it was different types of accommodation and the food was different to what you were not what you were used to. So, you know, touring away was always hard, but I enjoyed playing in every every country because it had a different challenge. And if you kept a really positive attitude, um, you could overcome those difficulties. I think you got in trouble on away tours when you started to miss home and think about what life was back in your own country instead of embracing where you are and meeting the people and going out and enjoying yourself. So um, I found that every country I toured um, had some really positive things about it and I tried to get out and relax and meet the people and I'd take, I'd take my camera and take a lot of photographs. Um, I'd write some stuff in my tour diaries. Um, so I wasn't always thinking about cricket. I had other interests which made every tour really interesting. We have another quick fire game to play. I'm going okay. to name some cricketers and I want you to give me one word to describe them. Are you ready? I think I'm ready, yes. Brett Lay. Fast. Adam Gilchrist. Um, um, incredible player. Freddie Flintoff. Uh, imposing. Shane Warne. Spin King. Ricky Ponting. Uh, batting Wizard. Nasser Hussain. Rival. Rival captain. Brian Lara. Uh, genius. Mark Wall. Brother. Steve Smith. Um, batting freak. Don Bradman. The best. You must have seen some great pranks and jokes from playing for Australia. Can you tell us some of the funniest moments? Uh, yeah, look, we had some lots of funny teammates. Um, yeah, someone like Merv Hughes was one of my favourite teammates, and um, he was my roommate in a lot of tours. And um, you know, he used to like like his food. So every time you go back to the hotel room, he'd sort of empty the mini bar out before you could get anything. So he did all the chocolates and ice creams. And um, so he was a funny guy to play with. And on the field, he was always good for a joke. And um, so he, he was good fun. Um, yeah, in the Australian side, we, we had a lot of characters and we tried to have a laugh when we were playing as well. We didn't always take it 100% seriously. So, um, you know, there were times on the field where, you know, we'd... Um, We'd have a joke and a laugh, and particularly in county cricket, where the, you know, sometimes we played a lot of, cricket, a lot of cricket in England, it was really cold, and uh, you'd have to keep yourself amused. So, um, you know, um, yeah, there, were, there were plenty of funny times on the field. Can You can have dinner with three people who are choosing and why. Wow. That's a really hard question. Um mm-hmm. Three people I'd like to have dinner with. Um, well, I was lucky enough I had dinner with Sir Alex Fergus and I really enjoyed that and I'd like to have that again. He's obviously an amazing coach and one of the best ever. So I don't know whether you guys are Manchester United fans, but... Um, but which team do you support? The opposition and who do you support? I support Wolves. Wolves, oh, good. Um, yeah, I go Sir Alex Ferguson... Um, Look, I think Don Bradman, I had met him once, but it'd be good to have dinner with him. And um, uh, look, if I'm in England, maybe we'll go Bear Grylls. Bear Grylls? 
I hope you wouldn't let beer grills cook because I don't know what you've eaten. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what would you, would you cook with them, Steve? Or are you ordering takeaway or? I, I like I like cooking. Actually, I've just cooked dinner tonight for my kids, um, so I don't mind cooking. But um, you know, it's it's quite relaxing. And I, I, I don't, problem is, I don't follow the recipe, so sometimes it goes wrong. Mm. You are also into your photography. Can you tell us about some of your tour diaries? Yeah, look, when I first started playing for Australia, I thought, oh, look, I may as well write about keep a diary because sometimes when you keep a diary. It reminds you of why you've done well because you, you write down maybe what types of food you're having, how you're training, what you're thinking, and um, it's good to look back and know why you're successful. So I started writing these tour diaries and I always took a camera with me and i take photos. Um, so then i put them together at the end of the tour and turn them into books which people bought. So um, they found it interesting to know what was going on behind closed doors or on, on away tours with the Australian cricket side. So I've written... 12 or 13 books. I've done a couple of photography books. Um, so that's something that um, I enjoyed. At school, I never did a lot of writing. So my English teacher would be amazed. I've written 14 books, but um, it just shows if you've got passion and um, and you've got commitment, like you guys doing the interviews, um, anything is possible. Um, you know, I gave it a go and it seemed to work out pretty good. You, you have a twin brother, Mark, who played cricket with you throughout your career do you see much of each other since you have stopped playing cricket no not really because we live a long way apart we're about um three hours apart so um you know i have three kids and i've got a busy life and i've got my own charity which um i'm involved in every day and mark is involved in horse racing so no we don't get to see each other a lot because um our lives are busy and we, we live quite a long way apart so which is pretty um, surprising, I guess, because the first 20 years we lived together in the same house in the same bedroom, uh, but now we're a long way apart. You recently joined back with the Australian team as a mentor. Is that something you have enjoyed and would you ever like to coach Australia? Yeah, I like mentoring. Um, I'm not sure about a coach. That's a big commitment. I've got plenty of other things going on at the moment, but um, yeah, mentoring is good fun. I like to try and give... Um, young players some shortcuts and give them some tips on how to get better quickly um and i was involved in the australian olympic teams in um in beijing in 2008 and the london olympics in 2012 really enjoyed that and i've been involved with the australian um, football or soccer team as well so yeah i like to get involved in different sports not not so much always cricket but i did the ashes last or 18 months ago with justin langer and um that was a 2-2 a tied series so that was good fun so yeah, I, I enjoy uh, mentoring, but probably not so much coaching. Um, what are you, Ash's um, predictions. predictions for the series this year? I think I think it'll be pretty close um, because you know the teams are pretty evenly matched. Um, I think for England, it's going to be hard because Joffre Archer is probably the best strike bowler, and he's not coming to Australia. Um, I have England. If England's in their best team, um, I think it'll be a very close series. But in Australian conditions where the ball bounces a bit more, I think um, our quick bowlers will maybe have a bit of an advantage. So I think Australia will win the series, but it should be pretty close again. Are you involved this year with the Australian squad? And Yeah, no, I'm not officially involved, but I speak to Justin Langer pretty regularly. And um, yeah, I think Australia will do well. I think the player to look out for this year is Cameron Green. 
a young player who's um, excellent batsman, very good technique. I think he's about to break through in Test cricket and score centuries. And I think he's an underrated bowler as well. So he, he could be the star from Australia's point of view. There's someone that um, you know, England probably don't know a lot about, but I think he's um, he's next 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 big thing in Australian cricket. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you and congratulations and well done on what you're doing. It's a fantastic initiative and you're leading the way and you're both doing a great job. Thank you. So, boys, another podcast done with Steve. How did you feel that went? Great. That went, yeah, best as it could. Yeah, so it was really good. It was really interesting to chat about his career and the Ashes and the World Cup. Tom, coming to you first, what was your favourite bit of the podcast? My favourite bit of the podcast was when he was um, explaining about... The his overall career, I found that really interesting in the cricket in the cricket community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the fantastic career, and he was playing when I was when I was a child, and watching him play in the Ashes series he played in that Australian team that he was in was probably one of the best Australian teams that they've ever had. Um, so being captain of that team was just amazing. After what about yeah. you? What, what was your favorite bit? Of the podcast? My favorite interest is he talk about like. He's retired in 2004, and then he's talking like, um, my interest is um, he's playing his brother, and then um, playing with cricket, his brother, and then he's talking about like what's going on. Don't get worried about something like he's getting nervous playing cricket, and then um, do get don't get nervous, just don't give up. <laughs> well done. So yeah, he played cricket with his brother and played cricket for Australia with his brother. Do either of you have brothers? Um, I've got, got like two brothers, actually. So after, what would you, would you like to play sport with them or would you not like to? Um, I don't want to. No? Yeah. What you, Tom? I'm an only child. <laughs> so I used to play cricket with my brother. Um, big shout out to my brother, Nathan. So we used to play for the Newport Cricket Club in South Wales. So I know what it's like to be Steve Waugh and be the best, the best cricketer in the family and have, a, and have a brother in your team. So it's good fun. Lots of laughs, lots of banter. So yeah, it was really good fun. Right, boys, that's another podcast episode done. You two did an amazing job as always. So keep up the good work and we'll see you all next week. Yep, see you all soon. See ya. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.